We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. Day podcast. Happy Victory Monday, Packer fans. Welcome into the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day podcast. Make sure to subscribe and like. I would greatly appreciate it because you guys are the absolute best. And we have a ton to celebrate because it is a Victory Monday. Packers pick up a important 27-17 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers in a fairly entertaining game, one that Green Bay controlled throughout. We'll break down the entire game, uh, go over what went well, what didn't go well, what needs to be improved upon and all that sort of stuff as we kind of get through this. But it it feels like forever ago already that uh, everyone was panicked following a 0-1 start and a loss to the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville, a game I don't think really anyone saw coming. And and certainly, even in hindsight, it probably looks a little bit worse now that the, uh, the Saints have really struggled since that game. But all seems right at the moment. Green Bay picks up three straight wins. Uh, of course, they get the Lions, the 49ers, the Steelers back to back to back to move to three and one. And now we'll look ahead to the Cincinnati Bengals next Sunday in Cincinnati, which should be a very fun game as well. But let's break down and recap this victory because there's a ton to get into as there always is. But I, I want to start with Randall Cobb because what a journey for Randall Cobb, who I don't think anyone even at at any point up until it happened, even when like the whispers started like happening of like the Packers could trade for Randall Cobb or Aaron Rodgers wants the Packers to trade for Randall Cobb, like even that level of absurdity didn't seem possible even when the whispers started to happen. I don't think anyone could have predicted that Randall Cobb would come back to Green Bay. Uh, of course, this was part of the, the Aaron Rodgers ordeal this past offseason, uh, but Aaron Rodgers uh, came through clutch on this one, I guess, because Randall Cobb came through clutch in this game. And I don't say clutch lightly in this situation. And the reason I say that is because Randall Cobb may have only had, what, five catches for 69 yards and and two touchdowns, which really nice day, right? I don't think anyone's taking that away from him, but it's it's not exactly like he's going to be, you know, player of the week, you know, with that type of performance. However, all five of those catches either went for first downs 
or for touchdowns. And that was a huge key in this game. And if you want to know just how important that was, when Randall Cobb was targeted on third down in this game, Green Bay went four for four for 68 yards with a touchdown and converted all four of their third down attempts. When the Packers tried to pass on all of their other third down conversions, they went one for five for 11 yards, two sacks, one of seven on the conversions. And yes, I guess you could say that Randall Cobb did have one pass breakup uh, on an attempt to Devontae Adams in there as well, maybe helping him pad his stats and importance uh, on on targets towards him. But uh, in all seriousness, just a huge game from Randall Cobb. You could tell he was pumped up. He had a ton of energy. He was feeding off the crowd, which he spoke about in his post-game press conference as well. And, and this is, I think, exactly why Aaron Rodgers uh, or at least a big piece of it, wanted uh, a player like Randall Cobb on this roster for these ex- exact type of situations. And I think the question, one of the questions all week was, who was going to step up in MVS's absence? And I don't think like, you know, MVS's absence was akin to David Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins or, you know, a, a player of that, you know, ilk being out. But it still was a, a big loss in the fact that he again, there's no player like MVS on the roster that can stretch the field like him. He has become a, a key piece and, and really a key contributor, somebody that's on the field for the vast majority of the snaps. And you knew that Green Bay would, you know, kind of mix and match. Amari Rodgers would get some snaps, Cobb would get some snaps, EQ got some. Of course, Lazard still got a bunch. But you wanted to see and know who was actually going to step up because as we predicted and as we expected, the Steelers did everything in their power to take Devontae Adams away and make any of the other receivers beat them. And and for a a good chunk of the day, I think you can argue that a lot of the other receivers weren't able to do so. Alan Lazard had a couple nice plays, um, which is certainly the case, but Randall Cobb was the wide receiver that came up clutch in this situation. And and again, they targeted him uh, on third down four times and all four are either conversions or touchdowns. That is a huge key performance. And of course he has the two touchdowns as well. Was awesome to see, you know, Cobb to be able to celebrate those touchdowns at Lambeau Field. I believe he did the Lambeau leap. I didn't get to see it close, but uh, you know, just all of it combined was it was really awesome. And and kudos to Cobb, who man, just the consummate professional. I mean, how he handles himself day in and day out at practice, in games, in press conferences, all of it. He's just a absolute pros pro. He's meant to be a Green Bay Packer. There's no question about it. You can tell how happy he is to be back and just a huge key clutch performance for Cobb uh, back at Lambeau Field. And it was just awesome to see. Of course, every upside, there's a, a downside as well. And this wasn't a performance downside, but the cloud that hangs over the entirety of this game was, of course, the Jair Alexander injury. And I always, and for those of you who have followed me for some time, I always say there's there's two games that are going on on Sunday. The first game is the actual scoreboard, and the other is the injury toll, because we all know that this is a game where there are going to be injuries almost every single week. You're going to pay a toll uh, with uh, whether it's a win or a loss, and, and there's going to be players that get banged up, and you hope that you know your key players don't miss significant time. Uh, but Jair Alexander, you know, comes up, makes a big key tackle on a, I believe it was a fourth down play, and I actually think the 
the receiver broke the tackle because Roger or because Alexander got hurt on the play. Uh, but nonetheless, it was it was still a nice play by Jair to come up and, and make the hit. Unfortunately, he goes down with an injury, eventually gets carted off to the locker room uh, in shotgun seat, not laying down in the back. You never want to see the laying down in the back. He was in shotgun, but still carted off and never returned to the game. Uh, he was diagnosed with an AC joint injury. We'll see exactly what that means from a longevity standpoint. I think the big fear was that maybe it would be a collarbone. And if it's a broken collarbone, like that's it. So Green Bay can, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Green Bay can ill afford to lose Jair Alexander for an extended period of time. He is the key defender on this Packers defense. He makes the secondary work. I know he gave up a touchdown early in the game, maybe a little bit of a push off by Deontay Johnson, but um, uncharacteristic. Jair is as good as it gets in the NFL as corner. And uh, again, you want him out there on every single play. And again, you know, this is a, a team that has a significant, you know, amount of injuries already, which we'll get to in just a moment. Sedarius Smith being a huge one of those on the defensive side of the ball. You just, you can't lose a Jair Alexander and a, you know, a Sedarius Smith and expect to be good defensively. Like even with those two, this is a defense that's going to be hard pressed to be what a top 12 defense, even with everyone healthy uh, without those two, it's a nightmare, right? So early prognosis, you know, at least was not a a broken collarbone, AC joint injury, pro football doc, you know, put as much faith into him as you will. There's a lot of interesting stuff uh, online about him, uh, but his, uh, and and to be fair on what he was wrong about, his initial diagnosis was potentially a stinger. It was not a stinger, it was an AC joint injury. Um, But, you know, he said that, you know, players have played through AC joint injuries in the past. So we will see the severity. Certainly it didn't look good when it first happened, uh, but, a long way to go, but that that's a huge, huge storyline coming out of this game is Jair's uh, injury and, and just how long he will be out if in fact he does miss time. Next up, I want to talk about Ben Roethlisberger because first of all, the juxtaposition here between Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers, and I know there were a couple questions in, in the post-game press conference where uh, I think a couple of the reporters just like blatantly wanted to ask, you know, especially Aaron of like, you know, how have you been able to maintain your longevity while the quarterback across from you has clearly not? Now, to be fair, Big Ben has a couple years on Rodgers and age, um, but has certainly not aged quite as gracefully, at least these last couple of years, to say the least. Ben was awful in this game for the second straight week, missed multiple throws, made a bunch of bizarre decisions on checkdowns on fourth downs for the second week in a row. Had Juju Smith-Schuster wide open on a play who beat Shannon Sullivan uh, deep and completely missed that throw. It was just that like throughout the game. And you could just tell, it's just not there. He's washed up and, and it's over. And not only is there the juxtaposition there with the way Rodgers is playing, and to be fair, Rodgers didn't have a great game. He missed multiple throws in this game that I'm sure he would love to have back. I'll be interested to see how grade, how he grades out this week. I don't think it's going to be very good. Yeah, I thought he did a good job of keeping this uh, Packers offense on on task and, and doing all those sort of things. And of course, having his you know a couple Aaron Rodgers moments here and there, still showing off he's got a little bit of wheels left. Certainly not a bad performance in any way, but certainly not one of his better ones. Uh, but in juxtaposition to, to to Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, it's just night and day. And these are two teams that are basically in win now mode, aging quarterbacks, trying to win a Super Bowl still, and just in two totally different spots. 
Rodgers still playing at you know a very high level and seems capable of, of driving this Packers team as far as they can possibly go. The, the Steelers right now, it seems like anything they win will be in spite of Ben Roethlisberger. And I joked earlier in the week, semi-joked earlier in the week on Green Bay Nation. You know, the, the question was, what does Green Bay need to do or what does you know, need to have happen for the Packers to win this week? And I said, Ben Roethlisberger to show up healthy. You know, I was actually semi-nervous when he showed up on the injury report early this week. That That's how poor he's playing. And listen, Ben Roethlisberger's a Hall of Famer, had an amazing career, certainly a lot of off-field issues uh, that, you know, whatever, not going to get into now, but has had a really great NFL career. But you can just tell it, it's just not there anymore. He just doesn't have it. And again, not only is the the storyline there between Rodgers and, and Roethlisberger in this game, but it also just goes to show, and I, you know, Andrew Brandt pointed it out on Twitter once again. The worst time to to get to grab a quarterback is is when you need one. And not only is Rodgers playing better than Roethlisberger right now, and and still playing at a high level, but Green Bay has a, a Jordan Love who they are training to hopefully become the next in line as the starting quarterback of the Packers and. Again, that's a whole another storyline for a whole another day, and we'll be able to break that down a ton, especially on a 365-day-a-year podcast as time goes on and, and what that means. But the Steelers don't have that guy. They don't have anyone they can go to. Mason Rudolph is not that guy as the backup quarterback, and they've had a lot of issues. They've had to play Duck Hodges at quarterback last year. Like, they've had a, a ton of issues at that position, uh, but it just goes to show. Like, you know, Green give Green Bay credit for winning this game, and, and at no point I don't think was this game ever really in doubt. Green Bay was pretty much leading throughout the course of the game, uh, outside of the seven nothing lead that the Steelers jumped to early. Uh, but I do question, you know, was this Green Bay playing well, or was this the Steelers just being bad? And I think it was ball. Like I think the the Packers played a pretty good game. I think it was their best game defensively. And I think they did some good things on offense. I think the Aaron Jones fumble cost them. Rodgers missed a couple throws. I thought they had the ability to go for the kill, uh, you know, late in the game and, and just couldn't, you know, get that that final dagger up until the Eric Stokes pick late in the game. Like I said, never really a doubt in the second half. You, you felt very comfortable where Green Bay was at at all times, but this felt like something that could have been like a 17, 20 point victory. And instead the Steelers just kind of kept hanging around because Green Bay couldn't kind of step on the throat, if you will. Uh, but I did get the feeling as well that this is uh, this is a bad Steelers team right now. And they, they've got some good players up front on defense and TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, uh, Melvin Ingram, you know, offensively, they've got good weapons, right? Like I think a lot of offenses would die to have, you know, Eric Ebron, Pat Freyermuth at, at tight end, Najee Harris at running back, Juju Smith-Schuster. I know Claypool didn't play today, but Claypool overall was wide receiver. Deontay Johnson, James Washington. Like they have good weapons, but their O-line and quarterback just aren't up to the task. And I think that's ultimately going to hold them back. Mike Tomlin's a good coach. I just wonder how much, you know, juice he can still squeeze from that orange in uh, in Pittsburgh. And it might be a time for a change of scenery for both the Steelers and Tomlin at some point, but it doesn't matter, right? They could have Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Don Shula, whatever coach you want to put in their prime. And if that's the way Ben Roethlisberger is going to play, and that that's the way that offensive line is going to play, you're just not going to win very many games. But give credit to Green Bay for, again, never really having that game in doubt and uh, you know playing a, a winning football game at home and have the ability to go 3-1 and one and go to Cincinnati next week. 
Also want to talk about the Packers offensive line because we talked about the Steelers offensive line and their struggles and, and whatever. Green Bay is down. Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari right now lost Corey Lindsley in free agency. Lucas Patrick, they've moved on to for, you know, from for younger players and, and more potential and upside. The strength of this Packers offense or of their offense and team last year, in my opinion, I don't think I'm having a bold take here, was their offensive line. Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley, Patrick Turner, Rick Wagner, John Runyon Jr. in a couple spot plays. That was the strength of their team. No matter what seemed to happen, you know, they continued to put people in if there were injuries, but those front end guys played ridiculously well. In a left side of your O-line, that's Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley. I think we're going to look back at that. We can look back at it now and just be like, that's insane, right? Like you've got three Pro Bowl at worst caliber players from center to left guard to left tackle on the left side of your line. And then again, Wagner and uh, and Turner and, and Patrick all played well last season. That offensive line was awesome. And now to go this year, especially in games three and four, where now it's Yash Nyman at left tackle, left guard is John Runyon Jr. You've got a second round pick in Josh Myers at center. You've got a fourth round pick in Royce Newman at right guard. Billy Turner is the only one that's still there. And again, Billy Turner's been a little bit, you know, hit and miss over the last couple seasons. That's your five guys. And you're going against Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, and D Ford, and Melvin Ingram, and Cam Hayward, and, uh, you know, um, Eric Armstead, all of those guys, right? Like Javon Kinlaw over the last two weeks. And the Packers offensive line was really, really good, I thought, against the Steelers. I, you know, I thought there were. I thought they were good enough against the 49ers and especially given the circumstances and who was playing in that game on the road. But I thought there was a lot of help from tight ends, running backs, you know, Aaron Rodgers getting rid of the ball quickly. I thought there was some scheme things that really helped them. I thought in this game, the offensive line was just really good. And I think, you know, there's still some areas where they can maybe get some more explosive runs. I know Aaron Rodgers did take a couple sacks in this game, including maybe a little bit of a trip from TJ Watt. But I was really impressed with their offensive line. And Adam Stenovich is nothing less than a wizard at this point. You know, Matt Miller of ESPN uh, this past week mentioned how Adam Stenovich should be on, you know, head coaching lists at top of those lists. I don't know what more he can do. Like he's a bona fide wizard and offensive line whisperer at this point. He has been nothing short of phenomenal since coming to Green Bay. And that offensive line, especially considering no Lindsley, no Bakhtiari, no Elton Jenkins, has been unreal. And, and kudos to Stenovich and the offensive line for how they played against the Steelers. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers-Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from TickPick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit TickPick.com slash Packaday today and use promo code Packaday to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets. We're driven by the search for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Of course, we've got to talk field goal issues because I, I don't know about you guys, but watching back that field goal from last week where they beat the 49ers, I left wondering how they didn't block that field goal. Like, thankfully, I think if you watch that kick, Mason Crosby hits that, you know, sort of to the left side and it kind of goes in on the left. You know, if you're looking at the goalpost, you know, dead on, it was kind of far left while still, you know, easily, you know, made by Crosby, but it was definitely, I think if that's a right down the middle or to the right, I think that's blocked by the, by the 49ers guy comes screaming off the edge and, and nearly did and probably should have blocked that field goal. And that would have equated to a 49ers win. So you would think, all right, we've got we've got to take a look at that because that could have been a massive season altering field goal block. First uh, extra point, I think it was in this game. Yeah, first extra point, Steelers nearly block it. Like they came close once again. Then of course the the field goal block, which we'll get to in just a moment. And then there's a field goal in the second half. Guy comes screaming off the edge and almost blocks it again. Of course, the the field goal block. When I watch it live, so I'm in the press box, so I'm kind of on the you know on the right side. The field goal is on the left side. If you're looking at it from the press box, um, so I don't. I'm not exactly looking down the line of scrimmage. But when I watched it live, I thought it was clear that he was offsides. I, I didn't think there was much doubt about it. Of course, when you watch the replay, I haven't seen. I, I, I went out and looked for. I haven't seen anything that was like down the line of scrimmage. But when you look at it from the end zone angle. Yeah, it looks looks like they were they timed it right and were probably on sides on the play. Very tough to tell, but whether it was or wasn't, and I'm definitely leaning towards the fact that it wasn't offsides, that's another game-changing moment that Green Bay sort of got away with. And the fact that it happened almost three times in this game and probably did happen once and returned for a touchdown, that that, that legitimately could have altered two games. Like Green Bay could be one and three based on you know the, the field goal protection. And, and I think Green Bay was good enough in this game that they probably go out in the second half and still win this game. But all of a sudden Steelers go up and this, like that's a 10 point swing and Steelers go up, you know, as, as Green Bay takes the ball in the second half, uh, that, that changes the dynamics quite a bit. So Green Bay's absolutely played with fire over the last two weeks. And that is something they have to get fixed. And on that block, you know, it's one thing on the other ones where there were near blocks. Tunyon took the inside guy and, the, and, and Matt LaFleur mentioned during the week that the outside guy just takes so long for them to get around that, you know, we just haven't seen very many blocks, successful blocks from that outside guy over the last handful of seasons. But on the field goal block, Tunyon had two guys and he missed both of them, you know? So 
a lot of things that that need to get cleaned up there still. And I think there's a lot of issues with that field goal unit that are going to have to be looked at this week because that's been scary now for two straight weeks. And thankfully, Green Bay's got away with it. Eric Stokes, really nice uh, end to this game. And, uh, you know, I, I thought... I thought they targeted Stokes quite a bit. And I think the thing I love about Stokes so much is that very short memory for a corner, whether they're attacking him, whether he's had a penalty, whether he's given up a completion, it's right onto the next play. And it does seem like even his completions are a bit more contested. He did have one where he had a really rough missed tackle after a play. I think there's still things that he needs to improve on. I don't think I'm, again, breaking any news there. He's a rookie. There's going to be up and down moments, but he's also going to come up with plays. And we've seen him over the, the first you know four weeks of his career come up with pass breakups and interception to end this game. And you take the good with the bad at this point, right? Because we've seen the inconsistencies from Shannon Sullivan and Kevin King where you're getting the bad. And I don't think you're quite getting the good and the upside that Eric Stokes has brought. Again, the picks, the the pass breakups, even some of those plays against San Francisco where he was called for penalties very easily could have been uncalled in those situations. So I really like how Stokes is playing. And Aaron Rodgers gave a great anecdote or story uh, about Stokes in this game of how they were attacking him on quick out routes. And he's like, I guarantee you they're going to do a, a double move on Stokes at some point in this game. And sure enough, they do the double move and Rodgers saying like, I saw it and I saw it develop and I was you know watching how he played it and he played it perfectly and shut that play down. I thought it was interesting because earlier in the offseason, you know, Stokes uh, in in practices against the Jets uh, in the joint practices, they were doing quick outs on him. And then in the preseason game, open up the game, I think it was a third down, out and up. They hit the play down the field and Stokes took the bait and completely got beat. So the the growth there from that happening against the Jets in joint practices and in the game where they used that against him to learning from that and using it against the Steelers where, you know, he was all over it on the out and up. I thought that was a great story by Rodgers. And, and again, just shows the growth that Stokes has had over these last couple months. Uh, a couple other notes here, you know, receiving versus doubling up at half. You know, Green Bay decides to, you know, to, you know, defer to the second half. Steelers get the ball. I, I personally am not a fan of this because their their defense just hasn't shown they can stop anyone. I think that the Steelers haven't given up a you know uh, or scored a, a touchdown on their opening drive in the last 13 weeks. Of course, they score one right away against Green Bay, go up seven nothing, and now Green Bay's playing from behind. And I just think this offense and this defense play so much better from ahead that if I'm Matt Lafleur, I'm still receiving the ball. But to his credit, you know that the double up at halftime and after half it was a huge key in this game. They get field goals on both of those drives, which is, you know, six points, not huge, but still important. But more importantly, it was almost an hour in real time that the Steelers offense didn't have the ball. You have the the last drive before half, then halftime, and then the first drive of the second half. It was almost an hour in real time that the Steelers offense didn't touch the ball. But by the time they did, they were completely out of rhythm. I, they had two turnovers on downs and two punts in their first four drives following halftime, just completely out of rhythm. I think that played a huge factor in this game as well. So not only the fact that the Packers were able to double up, but the fact that they were able to keep the ball out of Ben Roethlisberger in the offense's hands and kind of get them out of rhythm a little bit, I think that played a huge part in this game. So interesting decisions for, for Matt LaFleur moving forward, but I think in benefit of hindsight, I think he certainly made the right decision here, even though the Steelers went up 7 nothing right after receiving the ball. Uh, the other thing I'm, I think is really important here for Green Bay, 
you look at all the injuries that Green Bay had, you know, you look at whether it was, you know, players that are still on IR or have been placed on the COVID list or were inactive for this game. In total, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Zadarius Smith, MVS, Dominique Daphne, Chris Barnes, Tyler Lancaster, Kevin King. Of those eight guys, about seven of them are starters. That's about a third of their total starting lineup that was out for this game. And then, oh, by the way, Preston is, you know, goes out for a little bit, didn't seem like himself when he comes back. Jair goes out at, you know, at some point in this game. That's a lot of guys to be missing. And credit to Green Bay, their depth, the, the scouting staff and Brian Gutekunst for having the depth at those positions, the position coaches for getting some of those guys ready to play, a lot of rookies playing. And they stepped up big and they were able to pick up a win against the Steelers at Lambeau Field. So, a lot of injuries, a lot of important players missing, but some guys stepped up, some guys getting good experience, and that will certainly pay dividends down the road as well. Bengals are up next. Green Bay travels to Cincinnati, a little bit of a disadvantage as Cincinnati had uh, you know, an extra few days off since they played Thursday night football against the Jaguars. Green Bay seems to always struggle when going to Cincinnati. Thankfully, this wasn't like a super stressful game for Green Bay. They played at home. The Steelers were never really close. Not like they had to play a ton of snaps or go into overtime or put in you know, a bunch of extra stress on their bodies, but definitely still some injury issues for Green Bay. Cincinnati, a little extra time to heal up. Green Bay goes on the road. Cincinnati's playing very confident football at three and one. I think this is going to be a very fun game, and I'm very intrigued to see how Green Bay performs on the road in Cincinnati. And then last but not least, taking a quick look at the NFC North. Green Bay, three wins. Rest of the NF, uh, NFC North combined, three wins. Detroit, uh, really rough performance against the Bears. The Bears get a win against Detroit. The, by the way, of those three wins, they would have had to have one because the Bears and Lions played each other. So there's at least basically a given one game there. So they've only won two other games. The Bears, of course, beat Cincinnati. Minnesota beat Seattle last week. Vikings lose at home against the Browns in a defensive struggle. So NFC North continues to be very, very rough. Uh, you know, Bears are in second at two and two, which seems unreal with how poor they've basically played through four weeks, but they're right there. They've looked much better against Detroit, but Detroit uh, tends to be a, a get well game for a lot of teams. So we'll see what the, the Bears can do moving forward. But Green Bay still seems like the heavy favorites at this point to win the division. They get a win, Bears get a win, Vikings and Lions take losses. That's going to do it for me for a full recap of the game. Make sure to check out my recap on Packer Report. It'll be up at 8 a.m. on Monday. I will be right back here tomorrow on the video version of the podcast. I will be back next Monday on the audio version. Ross and Jacob will be here on the audio version if you're listening wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's going to do it for me today. Enjoy your victory Monday. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go! Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.